0: Howdy, howdy, hey, it's Joseph Shepard, your host of Exposed Dragged Out, the podcast where I talk to some individuals who may or may not have been on a RuPaul's Drag Race franchise. Now, today is Tuesday, and Tuesday means it's time for another Exposed classic. Going down into the vaults and bringing you some episodes of Exposed that you may or may not even know about. Now, these have been on my YouTube. However, they have not been in a podcast format. So we've taken the audio, we've taken all of that good stuff, and we've made them into a beautiful episode for you all to listen to. Of course, there's some new tea that you did not hear in the YouTube videos, so make sure to listen and hear all of that out. So excited that today's episode is with an icon. It is a legend. Her name is Lady Bunny, and Lady Bunny, um, if you guys do not know, is a great friend of RuPaul's. Did drag with RuPaul uh, back in the day at the limelight and stuff. It's just, it was so much fun researching Bunny. It was so much fun finding old pictures, seeing what Bunny used to look like, watching videos of her performing with Ru. It's just crazy. So if you have the time, please go look up Lady Bunny on YouTube and just see all of the crazy things that was going on. There was a time period back when she was in New York and she had a friend who was her roommate who was recording all of these videos um like on a VHS camera in the um late 80s early 90s and sadly he passed away but all of that footage still lives online you can watch hours of lady bunny on youtube from the late 80s and early 90s it's crazy go do it she has been a judge on Drag U. She was in the funeral thing for her roast on RuPaul's Drag Race. Lady Bunny is such an amazing person. She stands for a lot of great things. She's very high in the political environment and speaking her mind, not afraid to speak out against what is wrong. Also, I have seen Lady Bunny out of drag once. Go try to find a picture of Lady Bunny on the internet out of drag. Almost impossible to do. Enjoy the episode. You guys will love it. Thank you so much for being here
1: oh my pleasure my pleasure i'm not completely (laughs) exposed because you know as i hear rupaul does when she's filming drag race when she walks down the runway she's wearing the girdle and the (laughs) heels and the tuck then when she goes and sits behind behind the desk she takes the heels the girdle and the tuck off and you just see her from here up so i'm that, that is one of Mama Rue's most genius creations that I'm enjoying today.
0: Just to face up. I mean, that's what you got to do.
1: That's right.
0: Now, one thing that I really liked about when I was delving into your life is that you and I have a very similar trajectory. I was born and raised in Tennessee. I moved to Atlanta. Then I moved to New York. And now I'm in L.A., I mean, you're still in New York. So I was like, this is going to be very interesting just hearing your story.
1: Yes, well, when I was living in Atlanta, there were still horse and buggies. <laughs> so I don't, I don't outside Penny Pat's porch. So I don't know if uh, if we know the same Atlanta, but hey, we might.
0: We might. We might. So you were born and raised in Chattanooga, Tennessee.
1: Uh, born in Wilmington, North Carolina, but
0: grew okay. up in Chattanooga. How how was Little Bunny?
1: You know, Little Bunny was not much different from Big Bunny. I was always very outgoing. I was the class clown. At one point, the teacher uh, in maybe fourth grade, in order to stop me uh, giggling and and cutting up, she made me sit at her desk um, facing the class which was such a big mistake because whenever she was turned away at the back blackboard i was like you know you know imitating her speech or just any stupid thing that i could imagine. so so yes i was always the class clown
0: <laughs> so you were the bunny bunny even when you were younger
1: yeah it was just just without the wigs
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so you're growing up and then I heard that you were 13 years old, you sneak into a club in Chattanooga. How in the world did you get into a club at 13 years old? Well,
1: I was cute and there's always older men (laughs) who like young boys. And uh, at one point, I don't know if anyone remembers those uh, Rayon disco shirts. But, um, I had gotten my mom to buy one and wore it out to the club with this older you know guy, and got very drunk, vomited on the shirt, he went home with him and he washed it, and rayon shrinks, and so I got home with my new you know shirt not fitting, and my mother knew something was up so. <laughs> so oh. you know, I, I actually, I I had a way of getting into, uh, you know, clubs. I actually did not meet, but I saw Lady Chablis from Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, who was performing at Chattanooga's Go-Go Club. My uh, drag mother, who doesn't claim me as her drag daughter, um, you know, but, but who, you know, was the leading light of Chattanooga drag. Chattanooga's own 20th Century Fox Tasha Khan, a.k.a. Chattanooga's own bubbling brown sugar. And uh, so, you know, that, listen, in Chattanooga, there's not a lot of women that wear false eyelashes and big wigs and sequins. So I was, you know, drawn to the glamour, and I love my mother dearly, but, you know, she's not really a, a glamour puss. And so I I, I, I fell in love with, uh, you know, the, the, the drag scene there. And funnily enough, the first trans woman who i ever laid eyes on just passed uh i kept up with her she uh you know moved from chattanooga to atlanta and so i must have been 14 my my parents were uh, and i were driving past the chattanooga choo-choo and there was kind of a seedy part of town uh and there was outside a club Uh, called the cross keys, a trans woman and the disc, the the style of dress was like a Kiana, like a silky polyester dress. And she had taken a a silver cord and wrapped it around her waist and then around her boobs because she just started taking hormones and had small boobs and that maximized her boobs. So, uh, you know, Regina Sims was, You know, sometimes, you you know, I mean, she wasn't like a leading, you know, light, you know, in in the performing world or whatever, but she was very well loved. And it's just interesting how you can sometimes just driving from the Chattanooga choo-choo before you even knew what you were, see one of your people. And just by the fact that she was being her, it really led me on the trajectory um, that I'm still on.
0: Well, especially because, you know, Tennessee is not that progressive. And back then, I'm pretty sure it wasn't either. So seeing that must have been something very incredible. <laughs>
1: totally, totally incredible. But for, for to be a, a small, you know, second or possibly third tier in the South, honey, drag in the South is no joke. And you didn't get up there if you didn't have something like a lot of the Queens that we see today, I mean, you, 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 you weren't booked. If you couldn't tear the house down, (laughs) it was very common back then to do a number. And if it went over really well, they would start the song up again and do the last third. So they could, the performer could come back out and they would be lavished with tips, like making making thousands sometimes so crazy yeah so these these were these were our stars and you know in the south drag is is is
0: worshipped and you you end up seeing all of this and you're exposed to this and then when did you end up first donning a wig and performing and what led behind your name i heard that you were not originally lady bunny
1: um I was always Lady Bunny, but you know, I think John Cougar Mellencamp had changed his name to something, and I just thought that was so ridiculous. So at one point, I was calling myself Lady Bunny Hickory Dickory Doc <laughs> Cougar Mellencamp, and you know, I mean, let's just let's let's just say this: LSD was taken in those days, so. So that might explain the name and then it be, then it became then it became the quote lady unquote bunny but then when you know my career you know gained some notoriety the press kept mixing it up and they would put the quotes around the so it was like quote the unquote lady as if there were others so I just said honey just make it lady bunny but Rue still <laughs> likes to call me the lady bunny <laughs>
0: What was your first performance like?
1: My first performance was in first grade, and I was a big fan of Barbara Eden in I Dream of Jeannie. And our, our you know, my elementary school had a um, circus theme, and so my mom made me kind of like that red short you know like genie vest with like the puffy sleeves not drag but like a turban and you better believe I had that slanted eye makeup basically the same makeup I wear today but without without the lashes and so I was playing a snake charmer and I've charmed a few snakes since then and you know so I was like Doodling on some pathetic recorder where what in front of a basket, and there was a snake with an invisible string that would come up because of, and let's just say I've charmed quite a few snakes since then <laughs> if you know but there were no strings attached
0: It so, started young
1: <laughs> i did I did, but so that was my that was my first. Uh, you know, uh, you know, drag performance. And I would get in drag for, you know, Halloween. I mean, no one really thought anything of it. I think I was like 11 and I just went as a woman and my best friend was my husband. <laughs> no, one said, <laughs> no one said anything. They were like, oh, there's that angle, kid.
0: <laughs> you <know. laughs> so you end up making the move from Tennessee to Atlanta. Did you meet RuPaul directly in Atlanta?
1: We were both go go dancing for a band called The Now Explosion. And um, we, we, you know, we didn't really work in gay bars. We worked in rock clubs that were very mixed. So uh, the B 52s were from Athens. There was another band called uh, Pylon, which was a new wave, a popular band. I'm pretty sure ten thousand maniacs were from Atlanta. So there was a there was a live music scene, and uh, Larry T, who wrote Supermodel, uh, had a band called the Now Explosion, and Rue and I were their backup dancers. And we didn't really have an act; we just wanted to make the scene.
0: <laughs> were you dressed up back then? Did you have a wig and like everything? Oh,
1: up? oh yes, but I mean, we were broke. So we were very much looked down on as like the 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 booger club kids. I mean, Rue, Rue would wear like a a hot pants and and like fishermen's thigh high wading boots, uh, uh big football shoulder pads, and a mohawk. I mean, basically, we were go go dancers, and clubs hired us to just provide some uh you know entertainment but the 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 serious drag queens in their bugle bead you know butterfly tops who lip-synced to melissa manchester and tina turner that they they definitely treated us like the poor you know cousins
0: (laughs) you know or the distant cousins yeah what what was the atlanta scene like back then
1: well i mean i was 2021 20, and um everybody wanted it <laughs> and and most of them got it so it was i mean to to come from you know like a smaller city you know like chattanooga to go to atlanta i mean you know all the gays lived in midtown before they listen move wherever you want but they moved out to uh uh, to be out by the malls. So they 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 killed their own, you know, paradise because everyone lived near the bars. So you never had to, to drive drunk. They were, you know, nice old houses that, that many of them refurbished. So, you know, I guess America's consumer, I mean, it, it was, it, it th- there was a hotel that Doris Day did the interior of called the cabana. And, um, and and so it, after I left Atlanta, that midtown area got crackier and crackier, but but it it was magnificent because it was I mean I, I've never I've never New York had that too you know it has a street scene but so in so many uh, cities in this country there's no street scene mm-hmm. so this was us all together and you know friends with everyone you know walking you know, past each other, and the the thing that really, you know, makes me, you know, scratch my hair is, is when people say that Rue is transphobic, because he wasn't back then, and, you know, we, we, we had apartments, but we were evicted, you know, you know, reasonably often, and and you know, I, I worked at Popeyes, and uh, you know, um, so we we were you know hardly living high on the hog. We loved the trans hookers. We knew them by name. We you know we repeated what they said. You know, we we hung out with them. So if Rue is transphobic, th- th- that's a recent development. And 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 you know, in in the same way that when we moved to New York, we lived in the meat market when it was. Where the trans hookers plied their trade, and um, again, we knew them and we spoke to them, and we had we thought that they were we thought that they were extremely entertaining. So you know, if you're if it, you know, there's a lot of uh, you know trans activists who you know blast rue for not having trans uh, people on a show called Drag Race. It's not called trans race. And you know, Rue, coming from the club scene, knows good and well that trans people have always performed alongside drag. Listen, if you work in clubs as a drag queen or drag king, if you have a problem with trans people, you ain't working much because they are part of the 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 fabric, you know. So I've always seen them as sisters and I've never understood the animosity um, that has, you know, sprung up. I mean, Rue did say a few silly things that it sounded like someone, you know, when he said, this is the uh, Olympics of drag and and we don't take, uh, you know, uh, uh, enhancing, you know, drugs or whatever, which I guess meant hormones. To me, that sounds like something that someone wrote for Rue to say, to to, to sound sassy. But I, as an old friend of Rue, I cannot imagine that Rue is in any way a transphobe.
0: Do you think that it's just like a generational thing where like younger generation of LGBT community views drag in a different concept?
1: I think it's a generational thing where younger people are obsessed with pronouns and they, they are, they are, they like to put each other, you know, in, in, ter- in very rigid boxes of I am non-binary or I am, you know, uh, you know, this or that when the community was, coming up, you know, d- developing in the 60s and 70s. We were just glad to have a community. We weren't we weren't trying to, you know, necessarily bash, you know, other members of the community. Listen, I'm not going to say there were any differences because there were. And, and trans people were not treated well by the more bougie uh, gay men who kind of took the movement, which was started by drag and trans. Mm -hmm. and who and the trans wanted to uh to help gays lesbians trans in prisons and that was not an appealing goal for the more bougie you know we want to get married you know we want i mean if you're living on the streets marriage is not your concern possibly
0: (laughs) it's probably the least of the concern
1: yeah it's, it's definitely, it's, it's divisive.
0: Mm-hmm. We're, well, a,
1: we're a tiny community, you know, we're, we're 10%, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that don't, there's way more than 10% that don't like us. I wish we could stick together.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's what we need. I think, it, especially now, like I think that as we progress and like you see so much hate, especially because of social media and everything, everybody's hating on each other when, all we need to do is just be more of a community.
1: Well, social media um, thrives on uh, outrage. You know, I mean, it's like a drug. You know, and, I, and I ha- I'm, I'm guilty of it at times. Um, but you know, it, it 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 it's it's a drug that, that you know. Oh, can you believe this? Oh, can you believe this? You know, I mean, the way that people have attacked people who aren't wearing masks you know or aren't observing you know what they deem to be the lo- latest you know uh, social distancing guidelines and you know I, I follow the guidelines you know I'm on the left politically but I have a problem with the shaming and the scolding whereas I believe that, you know, if if we were all more careful, then we could flatten the curb and maybe get out of this sooner. So someone posted a picture of four kids sitting in Central Park in a circle and said, look at these a-holes. And I'm like, you don't know them. They might live under the same roof, you know, and be siblings and already be exposed 24-7 to what, you know, uh, they already have, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, you know, they may put on their mask when they leave there and politely walk home. I was uh, looking at a guy eating with his hands in the in the park the other day, and then he started licking his fingers. And I said, oh, kinky. No. And I <laughs> I, I, I said, well, what am I supposed to do? Take a picture of him and shame him on social media and say, you know, look at this a-hole. He's probably homeless. It's his last meal. He doesn't know where his bed is going to be tonight. So, no, he's not concerned with a mask. He doesn't have, he'd rather, you know, buy food or alcohol or something, you know. So we can't, we, you know, listen, we live in, in a, in a world of people with different intelligence levels and, and, you know, look at the shifting guidelines on the mask. First, you don't need one. Then you do need one. Then you need the N95. Oh, no, don't use those because there's a shortage and the nurses and the doctors can't get them. Oh, now you can make your own. Oh, well, now those don't work unless you put a, 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 a pantyhose liner in them. So there's a lot of mixed information out there. And I just, I don't understand why people feel the need to scold others you know I, know I mean i know we're all scared and we we want to stem the tide of the disease spreading but being from the south as you will possibly recall you catch more flies with honey than vinegar
0: yeah <laughs> speaking of a bee you end up like moving your bee um to new york in 1984 And did you do that with RuPaul or was that separate?
1: Um, We all came up. Ru had a show at the Pyramid and I was one of the special guests and um, Ru did not really have that much of an act. So he would bring others to kind of spruce up his non-existent act. (laughs) (laughs) If you want the tea. And so they left. My sister lived here at the time. So I stayed and uh boy, were they jealous. They were so jealous that I stayed in New York. And then when they came back, like a year later, um, they were doing a big show at the Limelight. And the Village Voice put in a full-color, full-page insert that was a gorgeous picture of me that said, uh darling. Lady Bunny, I'm Lady Bunny, downtown darling of downtown socialites, inviting you to come and see, you know, the now explosion in RuPaul and girl, they were so bitter over that. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I stayed. I mean I, I, I as soon as I got here I told my, you know, roommates back home, sell my few possessions to pay my rent. I'm not back to Atlanta.
0: I want want you to paint me a picture. So, like, let's say it's 1985. It's a Saturday night. You're taking me out. What's the vibe like and where are we going?
1: Saturday night in 1985? Yeah. Well, Pyramid, because that's where I got free drinks and and go-go danced on the weekends. And uh, we might also go to Boy Bar, which was a drag bar where they had more polished, um, you know, drag performers. They were great. And there was, you know, like a, a, you know, there were a few blocks away from each other. So there was a, a cross pollination on a big night. We would go to area, which was like this socialites club where they had, you know, elaborate installations um, where lady Keir, uh, before she was in delight was often featured in them. Um, and uh you know actually all kinds of artists were there it was a celebrity hot spot so when we really felt like we had you know like a snazzy outfit or something and 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 it probably wasn't that snazzy but we thought it was <laughs> um you know we, we would we would go to area there was also dance which was the a, a a big multi-level club so when we wanted to go out uh we would do that too and uh we would also hang out on the piers, which at that point were where the uh, voguing ball children would hang out with boom boxes in the back of cars, you know, voguing and, um, you know, all, engaging in all of their madness from, you know, uh, socializing to voguing to drug dealing to prostitution to selling of uh, counterfeit uh, or stolen <laughs> designer goods so I mean it was you know or of course looking for you know sex down there because that was where we that that was you know where where you kind of the piers were where you cruised for sex and for a while they um, had parking there and so people from Jersey could come and park at the pier and you would basically do it in the cars I mean New York City was a wild place it's much more sterile and corporate now so I'm, wow. glad, and, I'm, glad, I'm glad to see, I'm glad that I saw it when it was absolutely just nuts.
0: Well, I, when I was doing some research on you, I went on to YouTube and you have so many videos of you from the 80s because of a videographer named Nelson Sullivan. Yes, who was my and, roommate. Yeah, and I, I was like watching all these things and I was like, oh my gosh, literally Lady Bunny and the 80s, her whole life is like everywhere. And I was researching and did he have like a three story house that you guys were all in?
1: Yes. In the meatpacking district. Um, And uh, the funny thing about Nelson a sweet man, but uh, Nelson never really like he shot everything, but he never edited it. So (laughs) it was always very painful to watch. And um, you know, I don't like to appear out of drag and Nelson respected that. And, um, you know, I, I, I always said, honey, if I'm on stage, you tape anything that I'm doing, you know, if I'm on stage, because that's why I do this, you know, to because I'm a performer. I said, but just like hanging out in the dressing room and, you know, and, and capturing what I'm doing, I really, I really did not, ever liked that. So it was kind of like a precursor to, uh, uh, you know, the real world, the real world house or whatever that, and I, I, and, I, and I really hated it. And I guess it's because I, when I'm on stage, I know what I'm doing and I've decided that it's entertaining or I've done it before and people liked it. But when I'm just hanging out, you know, I just, I, I, I think it's kind of vain to, 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 to think that that's going to be, entertaining and i realize now that it's a snapshot but um you know of many years and many pounds ago <laughs> but um but what my favorite video is when he you know, i was not in drag and nelson had a dog named blackout who was the closest thing to a boyfriend that i've ever had because i loved 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 that dog and i have this uh gift and uh with children and pets, to where I will psych them up, and then leave them to their parents or owners. <laughs> and so, with with blackout, there is a video of me. It, it, Nelson didn't want to film me because I wasn't in drag. I was. I I would. We had a big living room. I I would wiggle my finger. And from across the room, I could make Blackout, the dog, bite his owner. <laughs> it was, and I mean, people assume that it was witchcraft, but it was, you know, I mean, I didn't really know what I was doing it, but I just loved that dog so much. That was, that, that's my favorite video where I'm tormenting uh, Blackout.
0: <laughs> and some of that footage I saw was in your recent documentary, Wig, which was on HBO. Uh-huh. And that was all about Wigstock and you end up forming this whole thing back in the 80s. What inspired you to do that? And what was that like seeing it go on for such a long period of time?
1: Well, we had a great run of like, you know, 20 years, but then, it you know, it rained. And that's the, the horrible thing about outdoor events. It rained a couple years in a row and we lost you know, uh, our shirts. And so, you know, we did it one more time and we broke even. And at that point I was in my forties and I just said, mama, how do you work for three years to break even? And so I was like, that's not, that's not, <laughs> that's not a very good plan. is it? <laughs> and so, um, so we, we took a break and we took a break for, I think like 15, 20 years. We did do a couple of events, like a, a couple of big stock cruises, but then um, uh, Neil Patrick Harris and his boyfriend David Bertka approached us about, you know, rebooting it for the uh, HBO uh, documentary wig that was out last summer. So um, I would love to. Uh, possibly do it again uh, but New York City has changed and we can't just get the park and do this you know big event uh, It's it, they, they've clamped down on stuff like that I mean it was so easy in the 80s to just get a hold of this park and set up a sound system things have changed so you know I may take talk with you know, summer stage or, 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 or someone that already has a space that where I could plug it in there. But, you know, at this point, I don't think there's going to be large groups of people at large events because of uh, the virus. I would love to do it again because it was it was I mean, I wasn't sure after, you know, 20 years of not doing it, that it, that all the the, the you know, that old Wigstock magic would come back. But it did. It really did. And it was a wonderful uh, event. And it was an event based on sisterhood and a lot of the drag that we see, um, you know, which I mainly mean uh, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, but I also mean the, what is the goth competition one? The um,
0: Oh, the, the uh, tra- Dragula?
1: I, yeah. It's like, so... Wigstock was about was not about besting your uh, fellow drag queens it was about sharing a day with them encouraging them wanting to make this you know wonderful for our fans and connect with each other and be supportive of each other so you know, I know that reality TV is driven, you know, by train wreck behavior, but that's not the only thing that goes on in the drag world, and 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 I I think we've seen a lot of that, and it's just it, it's it's not my cup of tea. I would rather encourage performers to do their best rather than pit them against other you know performers.
0: That's true, and. What do you think was the best memory that you have of Wigstock?
1: Well, um, because I was a DJ and uh, in the 90s, house music was the bomb. Um, we and, and, and because the festival had grown uh, you know, to where it was attracting 30,000 people, we got some wonderful dance acts. Uh, Barbara Tucker, Crystal Waters, Christine W., but when C.C. Penniston sang finally at the height of that record's popularity, I thought that that pier was going to break off into the water because that bass line is boom, 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 boom. And it was just like, I mean, it was, that's an anthem, and just, I mean, I, she, she killed.
0: You know? Wow. That would have been crazy to see. And I, I have a question because the, you know, during the eighties and, you know, the early nineties that AIDS epidemic ended up hitting. And I can't imagine what that was like. I wasn't there, I'm too young for that. But for the younger generation that may not Me know. <laughs> what What was that like for you? And what was that like for the community, especially in New York?
1: um well i mean your friends are dropping like flies you know they're dropping quickly uh something as beautiful as you know sexual expression uh is blighted by a fatal disease um i mean it was uh it was you know i mean i i, I don't i don't think everyone has even uh, fully processed you know, the, the, the tragedy. And, you know, I know, I know that I uh, was unable uh, to visit a dear friend as he, you know, passed away from AIDS. I mean, I I visited, but not as much as I should have because I couldn't deal with my own fear, you know, that, that I might uh, have it. And, you know, I'm such a hypochondriac that I never even got tested until I was 40 because in New York, if, you are tested and there on your record. And at that time, that I'd made up my mind that I was going to, uh, you know, that I that I was going to be tested. Uh, Sarah Palin was uh, running as VP and as a religious nut who imported a literal witch doctor from Africa to pray her into being the mayor of Wasilla, Alaska. I did not want the government knowing, you know, my, uh, health information. So, you know, it was devastating. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I, I, a a lot of people who are my age, you know, want to, uh, scold younger people because it's not a fatal illness for them because of advances in medication like, uh, PrEP, you know, uh, so, I mean, that's a whole different, you know, can of worms. I mean, PrEP may prevent HIV, but it sure doesn't prevent... herpes syphilis gonorrhea pulmonary so i mean I, you know personally a condom i, I you know I, I i was very promiscuous and a condom worked great for me so you know I, i'm not exactly sure why we need uh you know drug that costs thousands when a condom costs a dollar but that's each, each everyone's you know personal decision
0: and one thing that i've wondered is when the aids epidemic happened from history and looking at things, it looked like LGBT community was kind of on a trajectory of more people accepting and stuff. Do you believe that if the AIDS epidemic had not happened, we would be more progressive and people would accept LGBT community more now?
1: I just want to make sure I got the question right. Mm-hmm. If AIDS hadn't happened, people would have been more accepting of the gay community?
0: Do you think yeah? Do you think that there would have been more progress, or do you think that that awful event turned back time?
1: Well, the awful event brought us together, mm-hmm. and uh, now we're at each other's throats with the pronouns, with this, with that, and you know, w- you know, we had a common tragedy that you know bound us. I mean, I don't think that the lesbians were as susceptible to catching. HIV, but they were right there with us, and you know I hate to to say that you know it, it, do do we need another tragedy to bring us together? But we are not together, and you know I I I, I don't really see much of a gay movement. I mean, if 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 you if you well, first of all, HRC is the primary. Uh, you know, organization, and they've endorsed Republicans. They're a business organization, and you know, they endorsed Hillary Clinton in 2016 um, before even asking, you know, any questions of Bernie Sanders. They've never done that. The idea of an advocacy group is that you you see what can cons- what what platform that benefits, you know get the LGBT community before you give them an endorsement. They didn't do that in 2016. I think that gays have gotten really, really comfortable. They um, are rightly scared by a Republican regime, you know, and Trump, but they fell asleep during Obama's years. Mm -hmm. And they, listen, if you don't make any demands, you don't get anything. And, you know, to hear Obama uh, say, oh, Well, you know, I've evolved on gay marriage. Uh, I believe he said that his kids play with um, uh, a gay couple who lives near them. And so he evolved on gay marriage. And I'm like, "Uh, actually, you're meant to be a leader with a brain, and it doesn't make any difference who moves in next to you. That's like happenstance. And did an Israeli couple move in with you because you gave 30 billion, the biggest payment ever to Israel when Obama was supposed to be the chillier one to Israel than the Republicans. So, you know, it's like, I I found that to be a really plus um, every president breaks bread with a religious group called the family. It's a right wing think tank. And, do you remember the kill, the, the, the gays bill from Uganda? Mm-hmm. They, they created that. They created that, and every president goes and breaks bread with them. If you're an ally of my community, you don't break bread with them. Now, Obama did chastise them at, when he went to speak at their annual prayer breakfast. But if you're creating—I'm sorry— I see that as a, a as a, uh, uh, a, a Broadway out of town tryout. When you're when you are uh, you know when a religious group in the U.S. is is creating kill the gays, you know, Bill in uh, you know Uganda, that's my enemy. That's my brother and sister in in Uganda's enemy. And I don't want any politician that acts like they're on my side to set foot in their meeting. They should be denouncing them. Yeah. Listen, gay marriage, we got gay marriage. That is a goal of moneyed gays for the most part. Because it's a, marriage is about property transferal. I'm not saying that there aren't, you know, gays who are not wealthy who are in love and want to get married there are but like a friend of mine went to the celebration for uh gay marriage in new york he said he was the only person of color there so if you're if you're not if, if you don't have money to will to your spouse you know when you die you know that that's that's a, i mean this this is this is what edie I did that event with her in the Hamptons every year and now I can't remember her name. she passed away. She was lovely. Uh, Anyway, I mean, she, she was like the test case that, you know, that helped it happen. And, you know, that was, that was the argument that she wanted to be able to, to will, you know, her, her, her significant other, Uh, you know, so it's like now we've got to, now that we got that, you know, goal of marriage. We've got to work on the fact that, you know, half of the states in the country, I think it is, you can be fired for being gay. You can be denied housing for for, for being gay. And I'm sorry, I just don't see that uh, as a demand. I don't see that. um, I don't see people demanding that. I see people who think, the gays, who think that they're politically... Uh, you know, involved. You know, running around saying #hashtag #hashtag love is love. Well, I'm sorry, that's not a legislative agenda.
0: A good point. That's really, that's really, really smart words, and I think that, you know, I I didn't necessarily look at it from that perspective. That's a good perspective, especially to look at it from.
1: Now, well, it's just like, are, are we too comfortable? Are, are yeah. the are are the ones leading these groups not worried about? getting kicked out of their homes because they have money and they're not going to be kicked out of their homes or they have a good job basically but if we're really going to care about the less fortunate ones which is what the drag and the trans that started you know Stonewall were, were saying you know so it's like are we going to be a bougie movement or are we going to be a, a movement for all gays because I think we need to, to be both
0: yeah now one big illusion of lady bunny that is that nobody has ever really seen you out of drag. And, you know, I saw a few years ago that you do identify as trans. So is the bunny persona your true identity or is there somebody else under all the wigs?
1: Oh, I don't identify as trans. Oh, you don't No, The New York times called me a trans superstar and I just giggled at it, you know, uh, because, uh, You know, honey, I'm a drag queen. But here's what most of my trans friends have at some point in my life said, bitch, when are you going to transition? You know you're a woman. And I say, darling, I may sound like a woman and sometimes I may look like a woman, but all I have to do is look down at my foot. That ain't no woman's (laughs) foot. there's no there's no pedicure there's no nail polish there is no uh, you know there, 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 there's there, there's no footwear that's gonna make that look like a woman's foot so you know look I mean I th- this is what I mean about putting people in boxes so although I'm not trans and I don't want to take hormones and I don't want to you know uh, have gender reassignment surgery There's a reason that I've done drag and gone to work in women's clothes clothing for over 30 years, because there's a lot of, you know, femininity in me that I want to express. So while I don't feel the need to say, "Oh, I'm non-binary" or "I'm," you know, this and that, I mean, I am. I just don't like to make a big deal out of it. Mm -hmm. And you know, I mean, I feel like. I mean, I, I mean, I look like a drag queen. You know, I'm a, I'm a drag queen. But you know, so, someone said something interesting in *Wig* the movie, where they said that a lot of their uh, the best drag queens were closet trans. And there's different degrees of trans, you know. Like, for example, if I well, I'm not not doing it now, but but I would never put my uh, ad for sex on grinder to meet men a man I would put it on like you know Craigslist mm-hmm. you know T for it transfer for for men or something like that so I mean you know I, I I definitely have a gender identity that's in between but I just don't like you know making too much of the labels and yeah. you know if you know, like my own hair is about that long and it's blonde. And sometimes I'll go check in at the airport back when I used to have a career in travel. Um, you know, and, and sometimes they'll just catch my general swish and they'll address me as ma'am. Well, I don't fly off the handle at them. They're at their job. That's a term of respect. And right now there's only two ma'am and sir. And I just giggle and I think, Crazy whore, you don't even need to put five wigs on your head and glue stuff on top of your eye, eyelashes. I mean, I don't know what kind of woman they think that you're trying to be because I'm not wearing any, you know, uh, female attire, you know, or heels or, or you no know, makeup. Well, maybe a little concealer, but um, you know, it to, to me when they when they get my you know, if they call me ma'am, it just makes me giggle, you know, yeah. they're, just, they're just at their job trying to. Use the term of respect, you know. They're 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 not being malicious. Yes, you know. A a friend of mine did a uh, was doing the door for me on uh, Christopher Street at Stonewall, and very nice, very handsome guy. Just called out to a group of young gay people and said, "Hey guys!" One of them's head swivel around and said, "Guys!" And I'm like, "Guys!" means hey you all if you this is literally one of the nicest people that i know like nice looking sexy friendly i mean i just i if if you've got a problem with that you're looking for a problem yeah and 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 from climate change to medicare for all to the global p- pandemic, you know, I'm going to focus on the bigger problems.
0: So your friend RuPaul in tw- 2009 comes out with some show. It's called RuPaul's Drag Race. So a lot of people want to know, were you ever asked to be a judge on that show? Ever? Uh, no, but I was a judge on Drag You. Yes. Would you ever become a judge if Ru asked you?
1: I might. I might. I mean... I like to do what I do. I like to do my own performance. And so I'm not so concerned about judging other people. And the funny thing is, um, you know, the younger queens uh, sometimes spend hours on their makeup with like, you know, expensive specialty products and lace fronts. They're far more polished than I was. So when I did do the judging thing, on drag, you, I said, you know, I'm going to have to have a hair and makeup person because they're going to be reading me because I don't look <laughs> as good as the the, 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 the I mean, my, I'm 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 not known for you know precision makeup, and now that my eyesight's going, woo, get ready for Alice Cooper. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you laughed because no one knows who that is now. But you know, anyway, uh, yeah, I I I, one thing that bugs me about the drag explosion is that. We spend so much time talking about drag, old drag versus new drag, you know, what we think of this kind of drag, you know, da-da-da-da-da, judging drag, you know, da, that we're no longer doing drag. And drag race is, uh, it, it, it devalues the only reason that I'm interested in drag performance. So you actually have, uh, Two queens perform the same song, um, which is never done in any drag situation. I mean, it doesn't make sense because if you are, you know, a, a black queen, you're, you're probably not going to nail a country western song in the same way that a Broadway queen is not going to nail a hip hop jam. So, you know, it that, that doesn't make sense to me and it doesn't really in, enable, you know, both queens uh to shine and um i, I don't know i i'm i'm I, i'm you know i i just turned down this you know like this uh symposium on you know drag of different ages because i you know i said if you would like to book me to do what i do then i'd be glad glad to do that but right now we're talking more about drag then we're doing drag. And you only perform on Drag Race if you've lost challenges. So it's kind of like the performance is totally de-emphasized. And that's what drew me to drag.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like after the the catapult of Drag Race and Queens becoming successful so fast and in a public eye, has that Hurt queens that are like seasoned and known, like a you or Coco Peru, Jackie Beat stuff. Does that hurt you guys when it comes to gigs and stuff?
1: Well, I've been helped because I have an association with Rue and because I was on Drag U and on that roast the all stars for you know i'm 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 kind of and they 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 make jokes about me on the show i'm known as Rue's crazy you know sister so you know it hasn't it hasn't hurt me but look at it this way before drag race there were 10 15 20 30 nationally known queens who traveled the country or the world and did their act. Now, why did they travel the world and do their act? Because their act was good. Now we've got people who are booked because they're on a TV show and their act is not necessarily good. Sometimes it's great. So, but yet they're booked everywhere because people have seen them on TV. And, you know, sometimes it becomes more... Uh, the, the, the customers are more concerned about the meet and greet than they are the actual performance. So that's not a good development for drag. If you're not concerned as much about the the performance. So, you know, be, before, uh, and I don't know why Rue would book uh, Queens so often who aren't, great performers why not book the great ones there's, there's young great ones there's old great ones you know why, why, why would you why would you book someone who can barely walk to a beat
0: <laughs> that's true and you you've been outspoken about drag race I love it when you add your comedy flair and everything on twitter is there ever been a moment where RuPaul's called you and been like bunny that was out of line
1: no <laughs> Listen, listen. Rue's Roo, image is Mama Rue, the, the self-help guru. But trust me, honey, we have decades of history and Rue is a twisted piece who loves to laugh at everything that I laugh. That's so good. Um, and she'll give it to me too. She'll give it,
0: she'll give it to me too. Now, we, you, you've been talking this whole interview a lot about, you know, political beliefs and activism and stuff. And I know that on Twitter, you know, you haven't been so fond of, you know, the political candidates that we currently have right now. What do you, what are you looking to do this year for election season? Like what, what is, what's the mindset of Bunny?
1: Well, um, as a Bernie Sanders supporter since 2016, I don't understand what happened and why he left the race. And I don't understand why he left the race and exacted no concessions for a progressive agenda from Joe Biden, because he has totally defanged the progressive movement. And what we've got to do is realize never, ever count on one thing, because if, if, if the movement is hinging on one person and they let you down, which is not unheard of in the dirty game of politics, then so I, I you know, maybe after the election, there will be a tell all book that, you know, tells me what happened with Bernie. But here is my concern. I'm a lifelong Democrat. I would rather see Joe Biden, you know, win over Trump. But I cannot believe that Joe Biden is the best that Democrats can do. He was the, the, the he was the, the 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 first choice of few. And he only started to do well when Obama made a phone call and told Klobuchar, Buttigieg, and O'Rourke the the remaining centrists to drop out and so if you you know were not progressive or didn't want a socialist you know like bernie sanders uh you would all those votes would go to biden and that's when he started winning so one thing that i find really atrocious is that joe biden has said that he would veto medicare for all If it got through Congress, between 70 and 88 percent of Democrats support Medicare for all. So I do not know why they voted for Joe Biden, uh, you know, uh, because he said that he would veto Medicare for all. I do not know why they voted for uh, Joe Biden. Maybe they're wealthy and they're not going to need their Social Security checks because Joe has repeatedly tried to cut Social Security, which is something that a Republican would do. Mm -hmm. So in a pandemic to to have, you know, uh, I mean, I I support Medicare for all and I'm going to fight for it, regardless of whether I'll fight Trump and I'll fight Biden. And what I would really like to do is say, hey, people, I'm a drag queen wearing five wigs with potty mouth humor and an atheist and all kind, and I, and I like to smoke marijuana and all kinds of other things, people on the right hate. You are a fundamentalist who's against gay rights and abortion, and you want your fucking guns. We're never, ever, ever going to agree on that. But Republican, swing voters, independents, Democrats, progressives, can we get together on this? We are in a global pandemic that is going to last years. Can you join me in pressuring your elected officials to go for Medicare for all, which a majority support. So if if Joe Biden just is saying he would veto Medicare for all and 88% or 70% of Democrats want it and like 50%, but why is he the nominee? Mm -hmm. He's not representing the majority of Americans, and and the reason is is that he's taken a fortune from insurance donations yeah. and big pharma. Yeah. He's gotten more than anyone else. So if we're going to call out Republicans and say we can't get assault rifles off the street because of the money pumped in to Congress uh, from the NRA, well, it's the exact same thing on the Democrat side. Joe Biden is a puppet of. Uh, you know corporation and you know i'm very very sad I'm very sad because uh even if you don't completely agree with Bernie Sanders every uh platform at his heart, he was an anti corruption candidate who did not take uh super PAC money in a short time, he changed the conversation from. Uh, you know, no Democrat's going to run, it, uh, again, without being asked, do you take money from super PACs? What is your position on Medicare for all? Pete Buttigieg even tried to deceive people by calling his plan Medicare for all who want it. And one other Democrat had another plan with Medicare, you know, in the, in the title to, you know, confuse people. But look, this is what we've got to do. We are making no demands of our government. And I do, I know that Trump is scary, but we have got to remember the Boston Tea Party, where they threw that tea in the harbor, saying no taxation without representation. So that means you take our 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 tax dollars, you do what we want with it. You don't give it. You don't give bailouts to huge corporations that should, that have been making billions and should have some money for the bank while we sit and wait on a twelve hundred dollar check you know by the time it gets here that is going to be spent so i'm 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 concerned that people have just you know put their heads in the sand and you know people call me trumpian when i mention joe biden's flaws Mm -hmm. do you think that trump is would you rather hear them from from me and uh, who is on the left and, and try to deal with them or, or come up with a strategy because Joe appears to be mentally sundowning. So if, if, if this is the election where we must beat the monstrous Trump and you're putting up someone who doesn't, who's, who will veto what 88% want as their healthcare plan, he's senile, he has lied his ass off in the campaign. I mean, with ridiculous stuff like claiming while campaigning that uh, he was arrested with Nelson Mandela in South Africa and had to retract that after it being part of his stump speech. I mean, Joe Biden, uh, he has name recognition, Mm -hmm. but he was bounced out of his first campaign for plagiarizing someone's speech. I mean, he has... So it's like, how do you get rid... how, how, How do you effectively target Trump's lies when the guy who's up against him lies? How do you target uh, Trump's corruption if Joe Biden is also uh, corrupt? And then there's this sexual uh, abuse allegations, which it's like, so it's a little demoralizing to have to choose between the alleged pussy grabber and the alleged pussy fingerer. hmm You know? I mean, it makes the Democrats look like they are hypocrites because they used the Me Too thing to target Brett Kavanaugh's, uh, you know, uh, Supreme Court hearing, and to target Trump. Now, one of their own is 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 uh, is uh, accused, and suddenly they're smearing, you know, his accuser, Tara Reid, of being Russian. I saw one article that said that she bounced a check, so. She you ain't, have you have you never bounced a check? Well, I, I, have. <laughs> I have. But 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 even if I bounced ten checks yesterday, that doesn't mean that I wasn't sexually, uh, you know, molested. So this is, I, I I I I am not confident that Joe Biden is going to beat Trump, and that makes me very sad. And I wish that we had, you know, um, I wish that we I I wish that they could swoop in and replace, you know, Joe Biden. Um, You know, he 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 is a worse nominee than Hillary Clinton and is is low enthusiasm. And at least she had like the, you know, I'm a woman voter. You know, we deserve you know, he doesn't even have that. So, you know, I'm, I'm 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 very
0: concerned. Yeah. And one thing that's going on currently right now is, you know, we have coronavirus, but you have taken their time in quarantine and you have a comedy special called Contagious. Now, what is all of that about? And tell people why they need to watch this.
1: To make them laugh in a crazy, crazy time. Um, You know, my humor is raunchy and irreverent and there's uh, loads of new song parodies. From artists as varied as Lizzo, Justin Bieber, um, uh, God, Madonna, uh, I can't even remember the rest. But, um, you know, I also do a few skits. And um, Christine, do you know this drag performer? Yeah. Christine with two E's, total nut job, who is a spirit animal. We're doing a duet. Um, and that does get a teeny bit political, but for the most part, it's just 35 minutes of fun. But, you know, I, because I was, you know, at home most of the time, I started writing and I, you know, I said, let me just give this a shot. And, you know, so I was having wigs and outfits, uh, you know, mail ordered. And, you know, for, for those weeks when I was shooting it, it made me feel like, I'm back at work again and I'm not despondent and, and I've got, you know, a project and you know, if I had done the, the live streams with this same company, Boss Events. Um and it's actually June fifth. It's there is a there is a teaser on YouTube that's a parody of Sissy That Walk called Sissy That Cough. Um so I, I'm a worker bee and I needed to do uh something and this made me feel like I was back in the game because even after you know the restrictions about who can go where are relaxed, people are not going to want to sit in close audiences or be on dance floors and the other issue is that a lot of people are gonna have money mm-hmm. to go and do the stuff that they used to do. so, um, you know i'm just trying to have an online following and it was fun because you know honey i'm a tech you saw how long it took me to get to the zoom to work you know um you know and i and i had to order all of these lights and you know all this kind of stuff uh you know backdrops and stuff like that so it was it was you know a fun experiment and hopefully it will you know turn into a lucrative experiment and i'll do more cuz it's kind of like having a comedy special you know, without, I mean, you know, bypassing the gatekeepers of TV. And some of this is dirty. (laughs) So they ain't gonna put it on TV anyway.
0: (laughs) That's so great. And um, guys, if you're watching this, the link is gonna be down below. to where you can click and you can buy, and you can sign and see it all. Um, So Bunny, as we're bringing all this to a close, what do you think the biggest misconception of Lady Bunny is?
1: Probably that I'm a bitch because I am forthright. I mean, I'm I, I'm not the type of person to attack people, but since my you know act can be part daffy, part you know bitchy, then if you just know me from the stage, you know you might think, "Ooh, she's 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 rough," but you know I'm actually not, and actually. Whenever I travel to places where I haven't been, you know, been, they're like one suitcase, no assistance. You don't want any drugs or drinks. You're like the low maintenance diva, and I <laughs> like I like being the low maintenance diva because, honey, you know, with some of the stuff these people are asking for, darling, you're gonna get that one. And then they're not gonna have anything to do with you. So you 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 I, I think it's important to to be easy to work with. And I'm sure there will be someone coming out of the, the woodwork saying, Well you sure were a bitch in Phoenix. You know, but 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 that's a you know, that's a thirty year plus career. There will be a few
0: slip ups. <laughs> and what is a message that you have for especially the younger LGBTQ community um, that you believe that they should know or they should appreciate about the older community?
1: Get your ass out in the streets and make some demands, you know? I don't see that. I see I see some of it, but you know, I I I, I get your ass in the streets and make some fucking demands. Organize. I mean, if you were to ask the average person uh, who was young or gay, what is the gay agenda? What are we fighting for in addition to a parade? You know, obviously, AIDS was so frightening that we were bound together for our own survival. But, you know, what is it now? The ACT UP was a very... Well, well you know what? For example, there was a Reclaim Pride Alternative Pride last summer. 45,000 people showed up to this event, which had no corporate sponsors and which, you know, gave voices to, you know, everyone from, you know, trans people of color to, I mean, probably anarchists. I mean, you know, absolutely everyone who wasn't under the polished, you know, balloons thing. And I have to say, it was. It was truly remarkable because, you know, I had done. They they asked me to back up Cindy Lauper singing "True Colors" at the um, uh, opening festivities, and you know, I just said, you know, sometimes there's just these things that you do, and I've worked with Cindy for years, and I just said, "Girl, just go and do it," and um, only to find out it was at the Barclays um, Arena in Brooklyn that is managed by a Republican, and then there's some other uh, owner of it that has had, you know, dalliances with anti-gay stuff. So we have to be aware that sometimes these big events are shooting us in the foot. I mean, they had Billy Porter, Laverne Cox, Cindy Lauper, tons of drag race queens, and i got home from there and, I, and 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 i did a little googling on the barclays center and i was like i've been duped i've been duped by in, into donating my services just because i wanted to be a part of a community event i've been duped by powers that be that actually hurt my community and want to legislate against my community and give money to people who vote to legislate so
0: we we've got to be a little smarter we've got to do a little bit of digging yeah and get out there like you said and actually try to like you know support the calls and push things forward and speak up because if you don't speak up nothing's going to happen nothing's going to change and it can go right back to years and years ago go right back in reverse
1: exactly exactly
0: well thank you so much for being here lady bunny and talking to us and exposing your life. Um, and guys, be sure to check out Lady Bunny's special her comedy special, Contagious. The actual link will be down in the description, so you can click that and go straight to it. It's available June 5th. And Lady Bunny, are you on the socials? Where can people find you on these socials?
1: Yes, Instagram is official underscore Lady underscore Bunny. Twitter is at LadyBunny77. And Facebook's just Lady Bunny.
0: Of course. Um, If you guys like the video, be sure to like, subscribe, comment. Tell me your favorite part of Lady Bunny. Um, And until next time, guys, I'm Joseph, and that's Lady Bonner.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Expose yourself. Show them what you're all about.